Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole, and we're going to explore kind of a case study today from a listener question, and it's about how to determine what pension or annuity options to select going into retirement. So we will go through this, and to start, let me read the question. The question is this. It says, I recently turned 64 years old, and I plan to retire when I'm 67 and three years from today. My wife and I will both retire and claim social security benefits, my benefit plus her spousal benefit at that time. At the time of retirement, we anticipate a social security benefit of $53,000 in today's dollars with an annual expense budget of $80,000. I anticipate a portfolio balance in my 403b of between $1.15 and $1.25 million at that time and $245,000 of this portfolio is in the TIAA traditional annuity. The remaining nine hundred. dollars thousand to a million is invested in the portfolio of stocks, bonds, and cash. I can withdraw funds from a TIAA traditional annuity in three ways. Number one, annuitize over my full life, my wife's whole life. Number two, annually withdraw earnings of $10,000, but allowing for no future growth of principal in the annuity. Or number three, withdraw the entire principal and earnings in 10 equal payments over nine years. In order to maximize the buying power of this annuity and minimize sequence of return risk in the balance of my portfolio, I am thinking that the third option of withdrawing the full annuity principal in nine years and allowing my retirement portfolio investment to grow over this nine-year period. Until I need to start RMDs at age 72, five years after I retire, I won't need to withdraw any money from the non-TIAA portion of my portfolio, though I may choose to if needs arise due to inflation or emergency. My annual budget expenses can be completely met through Social Security and the annuity payment. I welcome your thoughts on how best to choose the option for generating income from the annuity. Thank you. I greatly appreciate the information you provide in your podcast and the clarity that you bring to the topics addressed. All right. Well, thank you for that question and a longer question. So I'm going to summarize it succinctly here in a second, but lots of things to explore here. And what I want to provide is how I would look at this in going through this decision-making process. Now, before we jump in, like always, nothing on this podcast should ever be considered specific advice or recommendations as much as it's just one perspective of how to maybe look at this. So there's not really the full gamut of information I would even need to give a specific recommendation, even if I could, but there is enough information here to to take a look at it. So here's how I would approach this decision. Before jumping into what annuity option is best, or should you take it over a lifetime annuity or over 10 years or whatever the options are, I would look at how does the big picture retirement plan look? And I would start by understanding what are your actual expenses in retirement? Now, it looks like you've done some very thorough work here. And what your work looks like is it looks like retirement is going to cost the annual expense budget of retirement is $80,000 per year. Now, I want to start by understanding what are the pre-tax expenses of that? And, And this is kind of a harder thing to look through. In my case, I just use planning software that gets extremely close, even perfect sometimes to the year by year taxes we can expect, obviously making certain assumptions about where tax rates will be. But the reason that's important is when you look at social security versus pension versus investments versus interest and capital gains on non-retirement accounts, they're all taxed differently. 
So when I say start by understanding what pre-tax expenses are, what I'm really saying is factor taxes into your budget. If you're in a 20% bracket, 20% tax bracket, really the goal isn't to see how can we generate 80,000 of income. The goal is to see how can we generate $100,000 of income because after that 20% tax, then you'd be left with 80,000 after tax. As I said, this isn't going to be perfect because these different sources of income are taxed differently. So it's going to be very hard to come up with an exact amount of pre-tax retirement budget without using some type of software or analyzing this. But to use a round number, just for the sake of example, let's assume you're in a 20% bracket. The goal then becomes how do we generate $100,000 of income so that you can retire comfortably and not worry about running out of money. So if 100,000 is the starting point, the next thing I wanna start to look at is look at the different income floors. So I know based upon your question that you're planning to collect social security and that when you do, that will be $53,000 of income. So right off the bat, if $100,000 is the goal for how much our expenses are, we need to come up with a way of generating $100,000 of income. Well, 53,000 of that, before we even tap into the pension or portfolio or anything else, 53,000 of that is just going to come from Social Security. So that's a great starting point. The next thing that we want to do is we want to understand what will the annuity look like on top of that. Let's just take the lifetime annuity option. So the first option you listed was, do you take the annuity over a joint and survivor lifetime? Meaning as long as you, you or a spouse are living, this annuity is going to be paying you a monthly or annual income. So if you retire and you predecease your spouse, God forbid, immediately, your spouse would continue collecting payments for as long as they were living. Now, I don't know exactly what the annuity on this would be. I, I know that you said the pension in the annuity or the portion of your portfolio that's in the TIAA traditional annuity is $245,000. Looking at the age at which you're considering retiring, knowing how a lot of these things are calculated, that could maybe generate another 15000 per year when you annuitize it over the course of your life. Again, I'm not saying this is an option or this is the option you select. I just want to take a very quick look at does everything seem to be in place. Now, this 15000 is not exact. I'm just estimating maybe what the lifetime income would be from this. But when you look at that, Going back to the way that we're going to frame this of we need to generate 100000 of income, 53 is coming from Social Security. Let's assume another 15000 is coming from the annuity for the rest of your life. So Social Security for the rest of your life, 15000 from the annuity for the rest of your life. Well, now all of a sudden our floor isn't 53, it's 68000 which means the difference between 100000 and 68000 is 32. Pension slash annuity and social security, that's covering $68,000 of our pre-tax income needs. The other $32,000 per year, that's what needs to come from the liquid portion of our 403B. So if we do some basic math and if we divide $32,000 by the anticipated portfolio balance of $900 to $1 million in the portfolio that's in stocks, bonds, and cash, Assuming you're invested correctly, assuming you follow the right things along the way, assuming that you don't do anything that could derail this, the math checks out. A withdrawal rate on a $900,000 million portfolio could support that remaining income needed. So I start there. I have not so far addressed what 
should you do between these three different options or even gone over the pros and cons of these different options. I just like to start there to get a general sense of this even doable. Is there anything that doesn't check out? Are there any red flags as we look at your retirement? And from what I can see, this looks very doable. Again, I'm making a big assumption that you're doing all the right things and investing the right way and that when major ups and downs happen, you're responding appropriately. But the first thing that I can see here is retirement should be doable. The question now is really the question you started with, but it's what annuity option should I select? One more reminder, none of this is a recommendation. And in fact, even if I wanted to, I don't have some of the numbers here. So here's what we do know. There's three options with the annuity. Number one, you can take a lifetime annuity over your life and your wife's life. So whether you both live until 75 or whether you live to 125, you will receive the same monthly income as long as one of you is still alive until you've both passed away. So that's the first option. I don't know what that amount would be, but I know that that's the format of your first option. The second option is you have an amount that you're anticipating to be $245,000 in this annuity by the time that you retire. So the second option that TIAA is giving you is to take $10,000 of earnings from that annuity. So it's not annuitizing the whole thing because the principal is remaining intact, but you're getting a $10,000 extra payment or an annuity each year for as long as you are living. And then finally, the third option is to withdraw the entire thing, to take the whole $245,000 in equal installments over the next 10 years. So what makes most sense? Well, again, I don't know how much those 10 equal installments would be. I don't know what the lifetime annuity would be. The only hard numbers we really have is what the balance in the annuity account is and what the earnings would be if you were to take earnings but not principal over your lifetime. But here is the pros and cons of each. Number one, if you were to annuitize the annuity over the course of years in your wife's lifetime, the pro is this is now another income floor on top of social security. Now that can be nice. It's nice to have social security because it's just a monthly paycheck that shows up. It's direct deposited. You don't have to think about it. It's just there. It's kind of like a continuation of a paycheck. Well, if we could enhance that, it's never bad to have more income. And so this is just more income. That's that floor. It's creating that income floor for you. And while I have no idea what the actual amount would be, I'm going to use 15,000 as an example here. If 15,000 is what your annuitized annuity would be, then your income floor goes from 53,000, which is what it would have been under just social security to 68,000 per year. So that's nice. It just gives you that extra guaranteed amount. What this also does, another benefit or pro of this is it protects against longevity risk. If you do live until 120 years old, one, congratulations, that's amazing. But number two, you're going to have to find a way to support that. Where's income going to come from to continue living? With annuities, you are going to be guaranteed income for as long as you live. Now, we're making the assumption the annuity company is solvent and still in business and still able to generate that. But if it is, you will be paid for as long as you're living. And the longer that you live, the greater the return on investment of this annuity when you calculate it out over all the years that you'll receive a payment from it. So the pro is that it increases your floor of guaranteed income and it protects against longevity risk. The con or the downside of this scenario, and by the way, this you, there's going to be a theme here, but the first 
downside is you're maybe leaving money on the table. I have no idea what the actual income amount that you would receive if you were to annuitize the annuity, but I know in most cases you're giving something up. In a lot of cases, you're not going to get market-like returns with a guarantee from an annuity. You're going to get a lesser amount than you could get if you were to invest this money in the market because the trade-off is this is a guarantee. It's a certain amount. So instead of being able to get a higher but uncertain amount. If you were to invest this, you're getting a lower but a certain amount by taking an annuity in most cases. Now, another downside here is if you both pass away early, that money just goes away. If it's just a joint and survivor benefit, God forbid something happens to the two of you the first year of retirement. Well, that money that was annuitized, that $245,000, you received one year's worth of payments, which was, I don't know, maybe $15,000 but then it just goes away. And so that's a lot of money that just disappears if something happens to you. Now, if something happens to you, of course, you're not worried about where's retirement income coming from. That no longer is relevant at all. But if there's any legacy that you wanted to provide, there's really no legacy benefit to that pension option. If there's children or someone that you'd want to be able to pass those assets to, when you both pass, that income is gone. Whereas if that 245,000 was in a 403b or a cash account or whatever it was, well, then whoever your beneficiaries are inherit whatever the remaining balance is. So that is certainly one downside, at least to consider when choosing that option. The second option was take the 10,000 per year of earnings, but the $245,000 annuity base stays intact. Now, the first question I guess I would ask to this is, is that 10,000 per year guaranteed? You mentioned earnings. And sometimes when you look at annuity companies, earnings, depending on how the annuity is structured, that could fluctuate a little bit. So is this more like a guaranteed $10,000 floor, or is this an amount that's going to go up and down based upon how the annuity is set up? The benefits of this scenario, just like the first scenario, is it's a guaranteed floor. So this is a guaranteed floor of income. It's not going to be as high as it would have been if you annuitized the entire amount, both principal and the earnings. But This is an amount that you can count on as being an income floor for the rest of your life. One thing I would look into, I have no idea how this particular annuity is set up, is could you do anything with that $245,000 if needed? You mentioned that this $10,000 per year is just the earnings that you get indefinitely. Well, do you have the flexibility to pull that $245,000 if needed? If so, that's kind of a nice option. If it gives you kind of an extra rainy day fund or an emergency fund, that's granted a big emergency fund. But if you need to do anything with that $245,000 or have a liquidity need, maybe it's a long-term care type event or you need some big lump sum, well, sometimes you just need the full amount and that $10,000 per year isn't going to cut it. So I'm not sure if that's an option or not. If so, that would be a benefit that you have guaranteed income plus an extra amount to do something with if needed, but cannot tell definitively whether that's the case or not. Now, the downside of this option, and I said there's going to be a theme here, but the downside is just the rate of return. Are you leaving money on the table? If you look at this, if you look at $10,000 of earnings and you look at having $245,000 in your annuity account that's generating those earnings, that comes out to a rate of return of about 4.1% per year. Meaning if you have a $245,000 base or just pot of money, and that pot of money is generating $10,000 more on that pot of money, it is creating 4.1% per year of income. Now, that is useful to see because it's very easy to compare that to what you could get outside of an annuity. Now, the difference is this is guaranteed, like I said, but could you invest in a way that generates an income that 
is in excess of 4.1%. If so, then what you're starting to see is this is just leaving money on the table a little bit. And now granted, I want to acknowledge that this is a guaranteed 4.1%. It in fact is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the listeners who made this question, but if you invest elsewhere, could you get 6%, 7%, 8%, depending on how you're invested and what your goals are for your investments, you could probably do better than that long-term in the market. It's just none of that is, of course, guaranteed. And then the third option that you wanted to look at was withdraw the entire principal and earnings in 10 equal payments. Well, I don't know exactly what this amount would be. So it's hard to compare apples to apples in these scenarios because I have no idea what those 10 equal payments would look like. What I do know is with a lot of, if you're just going to go get an annuity on the open market, with interest rates so low like they are today, when you are putting in a lump sum, this could be thought of as like an immediate annuity, you put in a lump sum and in exchange for that, you receive payments for the rest of your life for funds for some period of time. In this case, it's some period of time. It's 10 equal payments. Well, the portion that you're receiving, the payments that you're receiving, part of that is going to be principal. So what you put in, part of that is going to be interest. So growth on your money. With interest rates so low, a lot of annuity companies, that interest portion of what they're paying back is very low. So yes, you're getting the money over 10 payments and it seems like a good chunk of money, but keep in mind a lot of that could just be your own principal and less of it might actually be growth or income or interest on that principal. Now, there's still some pros and cons to this. The pro is you're guaranteed to have at least $24,500 in 10 equal payments. What I did there is I simply divided $245,000 divided by 10. So that's assuming you get absolutely no growth as you take these payments and you just divide the number by 10. So what this does is it takes your income floor from 53,000 up to almost 90,000 per year, not for all of retirement, but for those first 10 years. Now, the reality is there's probably going to be some growth that you're getting on this. So if the payments aren't 24,500, but they're more, then that would be natural. I would expect that to be the case because you're going to get some level of earnings, even if those earnings are low as you annuitize this. So the benefit is this option would probably cover close to everything, if not everything for the first 10 years of retirement, meaning between social security and collecting this option, you have your needs covered, which the second benefit is that just creates a lot of peace of mind as you ease into retirement. There's no pressure to create the right withdrawal strategy right away or to adjust to all this on your own. It's almost like a continuation of your paycheck, but now your paycheck isn't coming from one salary and payroll. It's coming from partially social security and partially the annuity. The other benefit of this is it does free you up to invest a little bit more aggressively if that's what you want to do. I talk about this a lot, but so often people think that the trigger to start changing your investments is when you retire. Not quite. The trigger to start making adjustments to your portfolio is when you think you might need those funds. If you retire today, don't need to access money in your portfolio for 15 more years, you still have a relatively long time horizon until you need that money, which means you could justify investing more aggressively because the thing we want to avoid with investments is having to access money or pull out money when the stock market or our investments are down. So if we don't have to pull out money for a while, it frees you up to invest a little bit more aggressively. The con or the downside, once again, is the rate of return. I have no idea what the rate of return would be because I don't know this number. So what I would like to do or what I do in these scenarios with clients is I calculate uh, an IRR or an internal rate of return. Essentially, what is the return on the series of cash flows 
that you'll be generating or you'll be receiving as part of this annuity, but I just don't know what that amount is. The other downside is if you did want to do any strategic tax planning, what you want to do is you don't want to have a whole bunch of high income in the first few years of retirement. Now, this may be an absolute non-issue, but just something I would look at is to do better tax planning, you want to keep income fairly low the first few years of retirement through either living off cash or a brokerage account or some type of tax-free income or something, but that allows you to start doing some Roth conversions pretty strategically. If you have a higher income, which you would, if you were to take this whole annuity condensed into 10 payments, it just makes it a lot harder to do good tax planning. Now, you may not need to do that. You may look at your situation and say, there's not much I can do to lower my lifetime tax bill. I know for a lot of people there is, but that would be one downside here and maybe a non-issue depending on how you're going to approach your tax planning. All right. I know that was a lot of details there. So at the end of the day, what's the best? Well, I have no idea. I don't know what the joint survivor annuity amount would be. I don't know your risk tolerance. I don't know if there's an option to even do a full withdrawal of the annuity amount and roll that over to a 403B or an IRA. And I don't even know if that would be a good idea without understanding all the details. Now, here's what I do know. In general, here are the things that I would look at in doing this. Number one, your life expectancy. If you have a long life expectancy, then it could make sense to take the lifetime benefit because it protects against longevity risk. The longer you live, the more valuable that lifetime annuity becomes. The person who collects this annuity and passes away along with their spouse of five years into retirement compared to the same person who takes this annuity and they and their spouse live for 40 years into retirement. If you were to look at the rate of return of those payments as measured or as compared to the starting lump sum amount of 245,000, the person who lives longer has a much greater rate of return on that money because of those extra years of collecting. So the longer your life expectancy, the more it might make sense to take the lifetime benefit. If you have a short life expectancy, maybe health isn't great or family longevity isn't high for whatever the reason is going to be. If you're only going to be collecting a short period of time, then that's where I would look to do, or at least seriously consider taking the condensed option. Higher payments, but over a lesser period of time, because once I pass, it's not like the lifetime benefit's gonna continue to anyone else anyways. So I wanna take as much as I possibly can as soon as possible, because that's what's gonna maximize return there. So that's something to look at there around life expectancy. Now, risk tolerance is gonna factor into this too. If you have a low risk tolerance, meaning you're just not comfortable with the uncertainty and the ups and downs of the market, that may lead me to say, consider taking the lifetime benefit. What you're doing is you're taking a guaranteed return of investment for a longer period of time. So it's maybe not going to be as great of a return of investment or a rate of return as you could get investing elsewhere, but it's guaranteed. And how can we stretch out that rate of return for as long a time period as possible? Now, on the flip side, if you're very comfortable investing in other ways, and if you have a higher risk tolerance, then that could maybe cause you to consider taking the the 10 year amount, the 10 equal payments, because what that does is you can't control the rate of return on the annuity. That's a given. That's what the annuity company is going to determine for you. You have no say over it. But by taking that 10 year option, what it does is it gives you more time to maximize the return on the portion of your portfolio you do control. And not only does it give you the ability to take more risk, but you have more time until you need those funds. So it just frees you up to invest more aggressively, assuming you have a higher risk tolerance. 
And then the final consideration, and I can't do this calculation because I don't know all the numbers, but I, I mentioned looking at the IRR, the internal rate of return. And when you're looking at the internal rate of return, it's essentially coming to this. It says when you look at annuities, you're going to receive some series of payments. And what you're going to do is you're going to compare those series of payments, whether it's for 10 years or over a lifetime, you're going to compare that to the starting value that was used to generate those payments. So in this case, $245,000. The IRR is simply telling you the rate of return that would have been needed on that starting value of $245,000 to generate these payments in these different scenarios, whether it's just for 10 years, whether it's for a lifetime, whether it's anything in between. So also in doing this, we'd want to measure what has the greatest return on investment, the IRR, which can't be done without that information. Not that this should be the be all end all, because this is just looking at the annuities in an option or in a vacuum when you're looking at the IRR of each scenario, but it's a helpful starting point. And then what you do from there is see how do these fit within the context of your overall financial plan. So I hope that was helpful. I know that there's a lot of things to consider when doing this, not just the annuity, but also your retirement income, also how this impacts your investments. Also, what does this do to tax strategy? Also, what's our risk tolerance and comfort level with some of this? What's our longevity expectations? So, so many factors that go into a seemingly straightforward analysis, but I did want to show you how I might approach this if I were to be analyzing this. So thank you very much for the question. Thank you, as always, for everyone who's listening. I really appreciate that. And I will see you all in the next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.